and welcome to a podcast with Jordan Haas. It's the podcast with me, telling you like it is every time I feel like it. Uh, the short form podcast uh, available now, wherever all podcasts are available. <clears throat> so uh, this is a weird episode because I wanted to talk about the Games Master book. I I first of all, uh, I ordered the book. I pre-ordered the book and I forgot, so I have two copies of the Games Master book. I talked about it in an earlier episode, but I wanted to actually go into a little bit more of a of a chat about Games Master. Because for me, I really wanted to talk about video game television and game shows. Um, essentially because a lot of the podcasts I listen to kind of are gaming focus. I listen to Jeff Gersman's podcast, I listen to Nextlander. I listen to Dominic Diamond Substack and the Under Consultation podcast, which is a podcast about the thing I was going to talk about, Games Master. Um, so shout out to Ash Versus and Luke Owens, uh, who are just amazing folks over uh, on a on the Acast podcast network. Uh, so uh, I, I I read the book <laughs> and. I watched a lot of Games Master. I'm, I haven't done the watch-alongs uh, recording the, the Games Master watch-alongs. I was on season three, the Dexter Fletcher years, and I'm going to do the watch-alongs for season four on the Patreon. Uh, just as a little thank you note to everybody, because I like the Games Master show. I think it's one of the better kind of ideas. And my original idea was to take a look at this because as an American, I never saw Games Master. I was, of course, American. I, a lot of my shows growing up were Nickelodeon Arcade, Game Pro TV, uh, the G4 stuff like X-Play, Extended Play, uh, the, the Electric Playground, uh, slash Judgment Day, slash Reviews on the Run. I watched a few episodes of Video and Arcade Top 10 when that was a weird thing. And then like later when the internet kind of boomed and everything is kind of online, things like Game Center CX and uh, uh, things like uh, <clears throat> Go 8-Bit with Dara O'Brien uh, would end up in my eyes, including Games World, but not the one everyone keeps pointing at, which was Games Master. And I never really read much about the show. But I do like Dominic Diamond, the host, the writer, in modern day settings. Before he's Games Master and his downward spiral of drugs, he is obviously has changed for the better and is always continuing to change. What a lovely, lovely guy. Really one of the nicest people. Um, <clears throat> and I finished reading the Games Master book. Because uh, it's it's actually a physical book, not a ebook, not an audio book. So I actually read it, uh, and I I gotta tell you, it is one of my favorite books, only on a production level of what they had to do to save money, what they had to do to save costs, things like um, <clears throat> apparently season three, uh, they had to change locations because they opened back up the jail cell that they were using as the set dressing. It just, it becomes this wild show. Uh, and that, while listening simultaneously to Under Consultation, uh, especially in the later one, because they just uh, last month covered, quote-unquote, the famous, infamous episode, the Christmas special with Mario 64 in the slide. 
I did not know what the hell that was. And, and I actually did not know what it was until that episode arrived. Because I was going into it blind. Um, <clears throat> so I have not reached the peak of Dave Perry, the game analyst who kind of is like the co-commentator on Games Master, uh, turning into the Games Animal character. And Don McDiamond going back to the show and going from just lovely Saturday comedian host to I'm a pissed off comedian who's angry with everybody uh, and angry at the world and is definitely on a lot of drugs. So I, I can't wait to see uh, really a, a, a big time capsule of 1990s, especially late 90s because PlayStation and N64 uh, talking points showing up. So I ended up watching that episode, not doing a watch along for it, just watching a few episodes. And I was going, I'll go in, I'll say right now, I, cause I'm blind to it. I'll definitely probably forget a good chunk of it by the time it's watch along time, because I'm, uh, cause that's season six, I believe. And <clears throat> I'm watching it really out of context. I... It's a totally different Games Master to the show I was watching <laughs> during the watch-along. It's very, uh, I hate to say bro-y, very dude-bro kind of thing. Because that was definitely the stature of like late 90s, attitude era kind of stuff. But it definitely felt like the kind of video game magazine kind of humor at the time. Not just like there, but here. That kind of like, look at the girl's skirt kind of thing. Um, and this this Mario 64 incident definitely uh, <laughs> didn't curtsy any favors. Um, <clears throat> because it was... Uh, it was kind of weird. It was like a, hey, don't you have a book soon? I'm not a, it's, I, I'm not a, a, a journalist. I'm a marketing manager was like the quote, the infamous quote of Games Master that shocked the whole Internet and shocked television. And I'm sitting here and I'm just thinking, this is just like, this is just kind of like a guy trying to make comedy out of being bad at game, which at the time is very ahead of its curve. And a, a, what looks like a guy who's burnt out on this show, like doesn't want to be there, is sad by what has happened, disappointed in his performance. And I, I think that it, it's just a tale of like two burnouts in the show. And it was one of the most sad moments I have seen for what amounts to a Christmas special where a good chunk of it uh, is like parodies of, of like quiz shows. It's mostly a quiz show parody. Like, they even did a mastermind bit. And it's just... To me, I was just sort of, like, gobsmacked is the best way to describe it. Because it's... Because I didn't want to spoil what lies ahead on the Games Master watch-alongs. But I was reading through, like, Season 4, Season 5, Season 6, Season 7. And it's like, oh... Dominic gets more of like a controlling interest and there's more correspondence and they get rid of the consultation zone in favor of these challenges and more uh, filter bit, which is I can't wait to see. 
So I was just looking into it, just going, hmm, I want to see what this is all about. And oh, wait, this show is going to get canceled and this show is going to get canceled. And this show's... and it just became this very like insane book to read. So uh, I, to me, I want to say that, I mean, I, I hope Dave is a better person, but I, I have my doubts. Um, it seems like he, he might be on the reactionary side of the gaming spectrum. Dominic, totally a nicer person these days. I think he's just trying to find his footing of who he is now. Uh, he's, he's doing music in, uh, in Canada now. So he's a music DJ. And I mean, that's a really cool gig. Uh, <clears throat> and I do listen to his, uh, his gaming podcast, which is like 30 minutes. It's perfect length. To just hear some funny, corny bits about video games. It definitely fits that Games Master vibe I remember. And it's just a lot of fun. And that's just what I wanted in like a gaming episode. Uh, so, uh, that being said, uh, I'm probably not going to spoil any more Games Master for me uh, going into later episodes. But I watched it just to say, like, what is all this about with the book? Because I have no recollection of anything out there. So I'm really blinded. The only reason I got the book is because video game culture uh, mixed with, with game shows. It's a game show in a video game together. And it's, to me, those are two of my passions put into one. So, of course, I would buy a book like this because there's a production technical side that's really in my alley. In gaming culture, which regardless of which part of the globe you are, is always fascinating to read. Because for Americans, it's Nick Arcade and Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh my god, you guys see the Chloris Explains It All episode because Sonic 2 beta. Um, <clears throat> but reading it, it really is, I would say, a, a, a good buy. It's a fantastic oral history of this TV show that Americans haven't seen. Uh, and is very fun. There's a lot of like, it's more like a post-mortem kind of book near the end where it's like nothing, Dexter Fletcher did nothing wrong. And you know what? I, I, I'm kind of on the board of Dexter Fletcher now. When I was doing the watch along, like, I don't, I think he's just doing this because he couldn't get a music show. And the more I, I'm looking into like the book and the knowledge is like, Oh, he was just trying to be the nicest person for this network. Oh, geez, this is, I feel bad because <laughs> it becomes as one of these, even I was part of that weird culture of a fan going, where's Dex? Well, where's Dominic? Dexter's fine. It's just, it, that's just kind of the sad state of it. Obviously, there's no addendum with the uh, modern reboot that just came out. And now a second reboot I'm hearing about. But that being said, that was such a cool book that I wanted to make an episode talking about Games Master and its cool history. And like, while it's fun that there's like a podcast talking about the culture of this, and I want to give him a shout out under consultation. And two, Dominic Diamond uh, is doing a Substack, and he has his own little gaming podcast sort of thing. And right as I was about to like scribble to know that this is what the topic is, hey, check out the Substack. Hey, check this out. Uh, Giant Bomb and uh, laid off people, and GameSpot got laid off some people too because of the fandom had a big meeting and they kind of lost a lot of jobs. And 
I was trying to just use this, like the Games Master show is like a cool platform of like how gaming culture kind of was and was still like there were some problem areas, but at least like there was some kind of coolness to it. And then the giant bomb story broke and the GameSpot layoffs. And I feel like I'm going to be, this is going to continue being the ongoing segment of this, of this entire podcast. But, um, I'm, I'm, I hate this. I hate the fact that this happens. Now, obviously Giant Bomb is not how it was back in the days with Ryan Davis and Jeff Gersman and, they would have unprofessional Fridays and in like the later years when there was like a Giant Bomb East and then was this games and then Giant Bomb West and there were these games and there were all these little segments like Burgle My Bananas. Um, but it, it's it's sort of a it's kind of the weird way of like I think that's just the way a lot of Internet shows are. And I don't know if that's if I if I'm right. So. For the next part of this video, or I guess a video, it's a podcast. For the next part of this podcast, I'm talking this out loud. This, I don't know, this is not true. I feel it could be true, but feeling is not the truth. It's just a feeling. And I don't want to sound like a Ben Shapiro, well, facts don't care about your feelings kind of thing. Because I don't know if this is research. There's really, I don't have any way to research this. But the way it feels is... Internet culture has spread very thin. A lot of people have podcasts. A lot of people have YouTube channels, Twitch streams, the, the TikTok videos. Everybody has a channel of them own. Patreons, I'm one of them. You know, you just... And the problem is that the places where there's monetization, your YouTubes, your Twitch streams, I would even say Patreon. I would even, like... They're stretched thin. They're taking a bigger cut. You what used to be if you made a hundred thousand views, you would get maybe like two thousand dollars, three thousand dollars, five thousand dollars, I don't know, is now down to like five hundred bucks. Very low amounts of money that really will cause people who used to make maybe one, two, or three videos a month, uh, and make a steady maybe two, three thousand dollars a month and can live off that and make videos full time has now have to make six, seven, eight, an alternate channel, a Patreon thing, a podcast, and do all of these things that was three or four times more than what they used to just to make ends meet. And if if it's not just that, it's also the fact that a lot of the user, the YouTube channels have grown into their own production companies. And a lot of people don't know that still. I, and that's the most thing that boggles my mind so much. PewDiePie doesn't edit his own videos. He has crew now. PewDiePie's the brain. He's the face. He's the Bobby Flay. He is the Wolfgang Puck. He is the John Oliver. He is the face of his show. But there is producers and there's writers and crew and maybe legal team behind him now when he's working on his videos. Markiplier is the same thing. Jack guy, the same thing. A lot of these bigger names that are just faces, like a ninja, has a huge community behind them that maybe have like a production office. But there's still the guy who just looks like he's buying himself making videos. 
a lot of the Twitch streamers that you are fascinated by enough to give awards to, some of them are still like solo projects, but many of them have two, three, or four crew members behind them who maybe have to orchestrate scheduling stuff or work out deals with publishing companies to play games on stream. That it's not the face, it's the it's this entire embodiment. And for companies to then buy out maybe these faces, which is I'm thinking the future, or channels, because before there was just faces making YouTube channels, they were websites, and not just GameSpot and Giant Bomb, but like Screw Attack got bought up by Rooster Teeth, and then they crashed and burned, then Game Attack showed up, then they got bought, and then they crashed and burned. It's a sort of thing where it's, Companies want to buy up smaller things, kind of like how film studios buy up independent studios and then want to publish these films. But because it's the internet, everything has to be done cheaper, quicker, faster, and now it's down to the second, down to the millisecond of attention rate. If you can't get them to keep watching your show for more than 20 minutes... We're pulling the plug. And now there has to be editing teams that have to make sure they grab your attention throughout the entirety of a video to make sure you keep watching. And for game companies who maybe have been in the in the game industry for 10, 20, 30 years, they have to try and adapt to this very quick fire kind of content creation. And maybe that means no more three-hour-long podcasts. Maybe that just means 30-second-long TikToks where it's just the most mundane stuff like, hey, guess what, guys? Marvel costumes are in Fortnite now. Like, it's just going to be that. And it does annoy me a lot because when you look at a lot of content online, I will be honest, the last shit I do is just simple. I just hit record, play a game, Stop, record, upload. I'm literally doing bare minimum because to me, that's the kind of content I want to see. A bare minimum thing. I want To me, that's a zag when everyone's zigging. Everyone is doing hyper-edited, reactionary content, uh, screamy kind of thing. And I mean, that's fine and all. That's, their, that's the kind of braining that sells. Me, I want to do the opposite. I want natural kind of just... Well, I'm playing the game now. If I get shot, I get shot, and we'll just keep playing. And just and that's what like Fall Guys is. If I lose, I'm gonna keep watching. Who cares? Because I think we have this really bad tendency to assume everything's perfect. Everybody has to win every time. And for game journalists, and I'm gonna say journalists, and I could even throw in a few pundits. Um, they have to be perfect too is it also wrong? Uh, we ha- we used to be like all about the review score and all oh, the Metacritic, oh God, oh Jesus, oh how could you? And now it's, well, everyone's a fucking journalist and everyone's recording shit. And now the people who used to have access because they were on GameSpot or they were at, at IGN have to now, because they get laid off or they walk away to start their own company, have to try and continue building those contacts and start from the ground up. And it's only a matter of time before that little studio gets bought up or they end up having to start another Patreon or try to skim through. 
because the viewership rate, regardless if it goes on YouTube or Twitch, is so skim. It's so tiny that I don't think a lot of the people who used to make videos will be able to do the same thing that they used to do to still make ends meet. And to me, that's the biggest challenge currently is a lot of gaming content is very cheap. And I mean like cheap now that like maybe people are just going to do this for free or maybe 50 bucks a video, like that low of amounts. When it used to be people got paid maybe 500 a week, a thousand a week. And nowadays, like even like written articles are going away in favor of YouTube videos. And that's a little challenging because a lot of the things like Kotaku is right. And yes, you can go and bitch about Kotaku all you want, Gamer Gators. But the Kotaku kind of article is more of like a burnout for the writing team. When I used, when you're writing articles, you have to obviously like reach the, the word minimum, head it to your editor, and then it gets published out. But it's really tough to do that when you have to make two articles a day and they're both 600 words and there's no news. Or if you're going to do news, you have to do like what's trendy right now. So please, uh, can you talk about uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 right now? Is there anything new? I, I There's a new map. Now spend 600 words talking about the new map. Okay. Because that's the, the article. There's no longer that sort of preview this game because the trailer is all you get it's free you now every everyone can see the trailer the demos well we played the demo but you i'm not taking my word for it because this um twitch streamer who has two million followers got paid a hundred thousand dollars by ubisoft to play this video game and go oh wow cool oh wow cool can't believe it oh shit son look at that explosion it's so realistic oh man bro kind of thing and we eat that shit up now so giant bomb going into just giant bomb because i like that website and i i have unpaid i have unsubscribed to giant bomb a big problem with Giant Bomb is it, they did the thing that G4 kind of did in its closing days, which is everything's a podcast and everything's a TV show and there is the main host, but we're going to try and do other people that we can get on the cheap just to try and bounce people in. And now I think there's only one editor left. Jason A. Stryker just got fired and it's now just Jan and that is not sustainable for a website to have one editor for your website. It just isn't. And now what that means is, well, I guess Jason's going to have to do a Patreon or he's going to try and do a collab pieces or he's going to try and do more editing work somewhere else. But it, it's not it's not sustainable. There isn't enough gaming jobs out there now. So a lot of the people I listen to, they just did their own things during the pandemic or last year, the year before. Um, for instance, Jeff Gersman, he got fired, but he late got, he walked away and started the Jeff Gersman show. Dominic Diamond, because we just talked about Games Master and that was what sparked all this. He started this uh, podcast on his Substack, which is also his articles because he writes for The Guardian about video games as well. He's the Games Master guy, so there's a little bit of nostalgia for this TV show he did in the UK. And he tries to do his usual comedy wit with video games. 
And I think that's great. And then I think, well, Adam Sessler from X-Play could do that. And, hey, Gerard continues doing that on his YouTube channel with the modern-day G4. And then I see Frost, and she's resigning from the industry. She's like, I give up. This whole thing turned her back, and she is just not happy. And I understand exactly where she's coming from. Because reading her side of the story, reading secondhand calendars for what happened, no one stuck up for her. And I'm not talking about the end when she wrote the tweet of, I lived, bitch. It's the... It's the ones where it's the, uh, hi, you're not defending the status about, hey, sorry, I'm not as sexy as Morgan Webb kind of thing, and we're just going to cave into uh, these people? Okay. To me, that is the kind of horseshit I hate. And I, I feel bad for Frost, and I feel bad for a lot of people who worked at X-Play and G4, and they can't get, there's really, like, some of them still don't have jobs. And that's still kind of a shame because these are very hardworking, talented people. Some have already recovered and they're elsewhere at the moment. But most of them, it, it's still trying to stay afloat and it's not sustainable. This gaming content thing is just not sustainable. Everybody is going to have to do their own shit. And now the people who used to work at, at GameSpot or people who used to work at IGN, or people used to work at Fandom, or or GameSpot, or G4, or whatever, have to now start their own Patreons, and have to start their own channels, and they have to try and do what is like the stay afloat to try and get their exposure back up, because that's it, that's all they can do at the moment, and to me that is the saddest part of all this. The internet is what's causing a lot of this. And I'm going to end on this on one other note, and then we'll call it, because I feel like I'm going on too long. The other biggest issue with internet content is not just in video games, because this is this is going to continue happening. There's no stopping this. You're going to, you either have to end up being PewDiePie, and it's okay to lose $15 million because you're making $10 million, or you have to end up like Mr. Beast and just start doing all of these weird gimmicks to try and make ends meet. Or you try and make your own content creation station and get bought up by Warner Brothers Discovery until maybe one day Rooster Teeth gets shut down because Warner Brothers Discovery needs to save some money. I'm throwing it out there. That's a, hypoth that's a hypothetical, but that seems like something that could fucking happen. A lot of these studios are going to shut down these these game studios that they bought because it will save us some money. And I it would not surprise me if Rooster Teeth is on the hip parade. And that's going to be next on the chopping block. Just like IGN could end up happening, you know, I think it's independent. I don't know who, if, if Zeph Davis owns it or whatever, but it's going to continue happening. And it's going to suck. And many more people's careers are going to get laid off. Now, in the world of television, yes, we're excited about The Last of Us. Hey, what a great show Last of Us is. But for me, in the world of game shows, and I want to talk about game shows, because that's my area. That's my expertise. That is my TV critic expertise. Game, all of that, secondary to game shows. This is the podcast about game shows some of the time. And what I'm noticing is, a lot of the pickup orders for game shows are less and less. It's now going to be 10 episodes because that's the amount you could put up on a Netflix or a Hulu. And it's fine. And 
it, we can, and it may well pick it up some more. But what I'm noticing, and this is just me, is because it's the internet, the production crews for these shows most likely are non-union, which is always a given with game shows, but now cheaper than what used to be a cable non-union show. So it used to be like maybe like $300 for a day or $300 for a week. It's now like, you know, like you're there for three days. Here's 300 bucks. Uh, is now like, well, we'll give you a hundred bucks for a week. Plus we'll, we'll pay for your food or we'll pay for, for, uh, travel. We'll pay for We'll pay for your gas. Something that's a little cheaper. So if you're a producer on these shows and the producer, you know, make a little bit more money, but not that much, <laughs> not like a showrunner. They're making maybe two, three, four grand. Uh, that is now reduced to one, $2,000. And that is still, it's oh, better than the PAs, but it's still less money. And that's going to continue happening with a lot of game shows because a lot of these formats, uh, if they're online, you're going to try and have to get some legal teams here to proprietary these shows. And that doesn't happen very well because anybody can do a Squid Games thing. Look at Mr. Beast. But there's yet a Netflix Squid Games TV show in the works. Not, And I mean like a reality show, not the TV show, obviously. It's a, it's a damn TV show. Um, people do Family Feud and Newlywed Game. And all of these game show tidbits that you see on the big game shows on the internet for less money. So now game shows, which used to be ridiculously cheap, and I mean famously cheap because of sponsorship deals and this, this, and that, are now having to be even more, more, more cheap. And I don't know what that means when it comes to being more cheap because I don't know how else you can make a show cheaper. Some game show network shows look like they were filmed uh, at like a CES when no one was looking. Uh, it is it is very uh, scary and sad because if they're going to start cutting costs and crew members and productions on game shows, then that means even the world of game shows, this, this genre of television that I have passionately fought for is also not sustainable every one of these little industry things that i have apes they put on a pedestal but fondly love from game journalism to movie critics to game shows to even making board games is not sustainable and partially you can say well it's the economy it's the economy come in it's the internet it's the economy no, I think it's just the billionaires who own these companies are not going to skimper down. They're fucking Reaganomicsing everything. And a lot of the internet companies that are funding a lot of the content out there with these AdSense revenues are also skimping on payouts for these people. And there's going to be lots of lawsuits uh, because a lot of the people who would were, were promised maybe three, four hundred, five hundred, six hundred bucks a video are probably getting paid 50 bucks and they're wondering where their $500 went. And that's going to end up biting a lot of people in the ass. So it's, it's going to continue being very dangerous, very scary, very sad. And I wish I could come up with a solution besides, Hey, maybe the rich people who own these places should probably pay these people more. And 
Maybe we should try and focus on a lot of independent producers too. And maybe a lot of pundits that are on the internet aren't good pundits. They're just good knee-jerk reactionaries. And when you see shit like uh, what what happens with, what is it, uh, Chowder? Steve Chowder is like, eh, I don't want to get $50 million for the Daily Wire. I, I, I can do better than $50 million. $50 million bucks for a four-year contract is still more than Anderson Cooper makes. So more than Wolf Blitzer. It's a lot. Of, I think even Tucker Carlson at Fox News gets paid less. So this chowder guy who's getting paid more than actual fucking pundits and journalists on cable network shows is telling you the sad state of affairs on the Internet. Because those kind of payouts don't happen on the Internet at all. I, I can is there a game journalist? And I mean actual game journalist. Not Keeley. Keeley's bankrolling a lot of projects like the Summer Games Fest and the Game Awards. Is there a game journalist that can get paid even $10 million? Is there even a millionaire game journalist? Like someone getting paid a million bucks. And I mean journalists. Like I'm going to interview developers, record shit, do podcasts, do interviews, do game reviews. The hard-hitting written word journalism. Not... Twitch streamer who just happens to have be friends with somebody who works at a game studio. I don't think those are journalists. Those are pundits. You can come up with opinions and you can play video games, but that doesn't make you a journalist. That makes you an op-ed writer. Op-ed writers are the kind of shit that New York Times gets blasted for on a Friday night, on a Tuesday afternoon, because they come up with the shittiest takes. I'm talking about someone who does research not people who just lick their thumb and check the win and go, this is the year for the Switch. No, 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 no. What is coming up for the Switch? The who, what, when, where, why, and hows of the gaming world. The business news. Xbox just laid off 10,000 people. I need to know why that is. Not what Xbox says, why that is. Because it seems to me like a lot of the industry is crashing and burning right in front of us. This economy is not working for anybody. And partially it's, oh, because the recession's about to happen. I, I will throw this in the air and I'm going to be a pundit about this. Forgive me if I'm wrong. This is my closing argument. Then I'll go to bed. I think this recession thing is a bit of bullshit. And I think this could have been prevented, if possible, by fucking getting the rich, and I mean the Elon Musk, 1% people, to cough up a shit ton of money that they were owing the American government, owing you, the people who are listening to this, thanks to all of the shit that happens with infrastructure, with our school system and everything, and instead of pointing the finger at maybe the Jeff Bezoses of the world, the Bill Gateses of the world, the Warren Buffetts of the world, we have to point fingers at each other because, oh my God, there's a drag queen reading books. Oh my God. The transgenders wanted pronouns. I gotta get angry on the internet. That's the kind of shit we have to deal with now. And it's all horseshit. People should love who they love. Do what the fuck they want to do. Why the fuck does it matter? And instead... You have to have this this shitty social scare, scare tactics in the UK. And then fuck over Scotland, too. Don't forget that news. What happened in Scotland? Wow. 
I'm with Sturgeon. <laughs> now, I, I think Sturgeon needs... Uh, Sturgeon needs to get up there and just... Let's just succeed. I, I, I'm with you now, Sturgeon. Um, <clears throat> so, it's the economy, kind of, but it's more of who's in control of the economy. And guess what? It's not the Jews. So, sorry. Sorry, Connie. It's not the Jews. It's It's definitely people... A little higher up than maybe the person down your street. Just throwing it out there. Unless you somehow live in like the Hamptons, in which case maybe one of them owns like a tech company or has shitloads of money in cryptocurrency. And that's why there's so many fucking scams out there. That's why there is the cryptocurrency market. It's this whole wish big, get money quick because the economy is going to tank. We need millions right now kind of thing. And it's sad and it's scary. Because there are people's lives that get, like, fucked over, like, what happened today at, at Fandom. There are people's lives who get fucked over, like, what happened to Xbox. And there's really no reason for it other than we assume this is going to happen and we need to lay off people. Well, if the economy bursts, what does it mean for an economy to burst? Uh, you can't afford people, so you lay them off. Well, you can afford them if you have highest records in stocks, right? Right? If you can, if you have the biggest, if YouTube, a thing like a YouTube, has the biggest money in the world now, they have to deal with the NFL for a YouTube TV, so they're going to make subscription services and pay out accordingly to each of the production houses. Your CNNs, your, your, your Disney's of the world, they're going to get their little cuts, but YouTube's going to get their cut as well. Why can't they use that money to not just keep servers up, but pay the people up. When I pay for a YouTube premium, where does that money go? Where does it go to the people who have the content out that I watch? Because they should have some of the money, I assume. Right? I'm not going insane about this, right? So... What started out with a fun book about Games Master, a TV game show in the UK about video games. It's just a silly comedy show. And got me talking about Dominic Diamond Substack. It's a gig economy kind of thing. Led me to thinking about what happened to Giant Bomb and what's ha going to happen to a lot of people who just got laid off today. And then follow that up with what's going to happen in the near future of a lot more people getting laid off and a lot of content creators getting laid off. It's it's going to continue getting worse. The worst opinion you can have is just have that shitty alpha bullshit mindset of like, well, you should work harder. Well, you know, like if you don't like it, get a real job kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah, OK. Well, then who's making the content you're watching right now? It, it it's a horse shitty kind of idea. <clears throat> and I don't know the solution. I wish I could, but I, I think it's just eat eat the rich. That's about it. Uh so folks, if you have the money, uh <laughs> I could say check out my Patreon because I even have a Patreon myself. Uh but yeah, check out the, the Games Master book. Find your favorite content creators. Tell them you love them. Just like leave a comment on YouTube. Hey, I like your videos. I love your I love your podcasts. Let them know you like them because I think that means also a lot. To get them to keep going, 
And I will see you again soon for another episode of this podcast, hopefully in a much more happier tone, hopefully in a much more lighter note, maybe with game shows. Maybe. But who knows what will happen to the world of game shows in five years' time either. That's going to do it. We'll see you soon. Good night.